Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Rate us, review us, like us, review us on both Spotify, uh, iTunes, all that stuff, Apple Music, anywhere you get your podcasts, and also on YouTube, like us, subscribe, do all that. Uh, It's on the beat. It's Tuesday when you hear this. I got Ross Martin giggling at me already. Ross, I told you my mind is gone today, but I want to start with you. 20 days, I believe, by the time the Tar Heels teed up against Boston College up in Chestnut Hill this weekend. There are some benefits to the layoff, though, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the talking points last week and this week from Mac Brown has been kind of starting over. He said the Syracuse game seems like so long ago, and I think that's something we all agree on, 20 days between games, nine weeks of practices, between from, from the start of, of preseason training camp to, uh, to, the, to this week. So they've had nine weeks before their second game, which is very unusual. So, yeah, I think there's pluses and minuses to the time off. Um, I think they're fully healthy. If there were any lingering issues with uh, Joshua Zudu and Desmond Evans. I think they're going to be good to go from, from what we heard today from Mac Brown and um, SID Jeremy Sharp. I think a negative would be that's the lack of, of, of real game experience. It's obvious lack of tackling, lack of physicality, lack of bringing players down in practice. Um, you saw what happened with teams in week one and two with, with the lack of that physicality. So UNC may have a little trouble with that. Boston College has played two, two games already and, and back-to-back weeks, and UNC's had two weeks off. So um, Also, the coordinators mentioned you know, they have more tape on Boston College now. They have two full games a better idea of what they can do on defense and offense. I think that plays into their hands a little bit, whereas UNC likely did not show everything they showed, can show against Syracuse. And uh, you expect UNC to be healthy and rested, but would have to definitely knock off some rust. And so I think uh, it's just an interesting scenario. I think it was the – Greg brought us up last week in our podcast. Um, it, was, it was another type of uh, medical issue was last time. UNC football had this much time off between games – but if everything goes as planned, uh, UNC would play in Boston College in a couple of days. Yeah, you got that right. If everything goes as, as planned. Greg, one thing that I took from last week's press conference um, with Sam Howe is a lot of people, fans particularly, have fretted over the gap uh, between games. Ross talked about the benefits, the health issues, and to get everybody ready to go. Sam mentioned uh, building chemistry with his receivers, it's easier to do, or you do that in practice. Well, like Ross said, they've had nine weeks of practice uh, before playing game number two on October 3rd in Chestnut Hill. You know, that. how right is Sam to talk about that? Because I agree with it, but then I say, well, live game reps, game reps matter more. Um, 
but he makes a valid point uh, that you build chemistry on that practice field. Yeah, and I think if it was any other year than 2020, we would kind of just kind of dismiss that comment, right? But the fact that North Carolina did not have spring ball, and they not even spring ball, they weren't even around campus to go out and say, hey, you know what, we, we had Chipotle for lunch, let's go throw balls at, at 3 o'clock, which maybe you could typically do if you're around. That didn't occur. And it was not until the end of June that everybody on the roster got back to Chapel Hill. And then you immediately have the, uh, the COVID testing issue where they went like a week or so without practice. So they really were limited in what they could do in terms of getting reps outside of the structure of a practice or a workout. Um, and so that is a benefit. The more you can get together and do those kind of things, the better. Sam's point was, you know, when you play games three and a half hours, you may only throw it to Daz Newsom, you know, five or six times. You're not going to be throwing it to any of the guys on the third team because they're not playing. Um, and so the more practice time that you get, it is going to benefit you in that regard. You are going to clean up some of those errors that you probably would have already cleaned up had you had spring ball. Uh, the interesting thing to me, and I hate it for the guys, but it seems like every year – in training camp, we write that story, right? Like three weeks in, 20 practices in, and they're like, dude, I just want to hit somebody else other than my teammate. <laughs> and it's the grind of training camp. That's what we talk about. They're at nine weeks, and they played one opponent. Um, and that's one of the reasons that the Mac has said for two weeks now, and the, the coordinators have said the same thing. They really are starting over. Um, Syracuse counted for sure, uh, but it really was kind of a scrimmage just in terms of, you know, it was a new situation with all the COVID protocols. Uh, you, you didn't know what Syracuse was going to do, so you're really learning on the fly how to adjust to that defense and, and some of the offense, uh, partly. And that really was a learning opportunity. But now because you've got like a three-week period in between games, you're back to the drawing board, and you're kind of having to, to relearn things. And that's kind of been a, a, a big talking point. But end of the day, the guys want to play. And I – I think your point, Tommy, that you got to get those live game reps. UNC had it set up perfectly when the ACC revamped the schedule. Mm -hmm. You got Syracuse, who was picked 14th in the league, season opener. Everybody thought they would win that one handily. It was a little closer than we thought it would be. Then you got UNC Charlotte. Charlotte, I guess, is what they call the sports teams now. Get it Both right. Of those, I got Twitter blasted for saying <laughs> it wrong. Both of those are you know, 20-plus point spreads then you get a bye week to prepare for this tough stretch that kind of got blown up you only have Syracuse and so now they're going into a difficult stretch first road game uh, but they're back to playing I, provided the game takes takes uh, place as we're anticipating uh, they're ready to get back at it yeah I think UNC's done a good job by all accounts of talking to Mac Brown and to some of the players of, of keeping spirits high and keeping it loose and, and working in a lot of young players. And I think it, it kind of goes to show the, the leadership. I think Sam Howell's a, a huge leader for the Tar Heels and what, what he said last week to us. So from what we've heard, you know, the practices have been kind of fun, maybe a little bit different to keep them engaged, uh, working in a lot of younger players, which I think the starters always like to see the freshmen and walk-ons get more action. That kind of keeps everyone engaged. And they've been doing, um, you know, working in strength and conditioning at different times. And, uh, and yeah, and kind of restarting, you know, last week to, to kind of get into a, another game week this week because they weren't preparing for anything last week. 
you know, they prepared for Charlotte and they had kind of a weird off week and now they're preparing for uh, Boston College. That's kind of how it laid out. You mentioned defense, and the biggest thing with defense is, is tackling, and, and we'll see how that shakes out for North Carolina. Um, you know, the Big Ten uh, is going to get in on the party late. The SEC guys look pretty good for the most part. But, Ross, one guy that's got to be excited to get out there is Curious Connolly. And he, I believe he said, if I'm correct, that he cried when he found out he was going to be the starting nickel. Big yeah. deal for a freshman. Yeah, I mean, Bateman talked about him a lot today. Got asked a couple questions about Conley. Obviously, a, a current topic of interest, kind of that, that young freshman that everyone's really pumped about, that Don Callahan's been hyping up, and he'll get his first start on Saturday. Um, I mean, Bateman's super high on him in terms of athleticism, his physicality. He said he's, he was up to 220. He's kind of down probably more to 215 now, and um, – it was going to be hard for them to keep him off the field. So they were going to try somehow to get him to play. He played some nickelback against Syracuse. They were preparing to play Morrison a lot more at safety against Syracuse. That's what Bateman told us today. But when things got a little closer than expected, they went all veterans across the board. So kept Morrison at nickelback and Conley didn't play as much. But now Morrison's at safety. Conley's your, your starting nickelback. You're going to see how he, how he handles it. And, um, Bateman's thing was just keeping it simple. You know, he may not may not know all the different schemes, all different plays, but it's not a super, super hard sport. And uh, we'll see what he can bring. Um, I, I'm excited to see how he's used, how he's used on blitzes and, and how he's used in different packages because he's a different type player, as we've talked about. I mean, he's a six foot one, 220-pound, you know, hybrid type linebacker, defensive back who's playing nickel back right there in the box. Greg, going up against the Boston College team that likes to run it traditionally, but they have a little bit better quarterback maybe than they've had. But then you see what they did against, was it Texas State is who they mm -hmm. played this past weekend and needed probably some questionable pass or personal foul penalties on Texas State to squeeze that one out. How does Conley fit in um, when you're defending what Boston College is trying to do. I would I would think that his ability to come down into the box is going to be big on Saturday. Yeah, and that's always been the question with Morrison was his durability in terms of, you know, he's only 5'11". I'm not sure exactly Mor what he's listed Morrison's at. 5'9". Is he 5'9"? So he's yeah. even shorter than I was giving credit for. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's kind of a light guy. So uh, they like his instincts, and they've always thought that's kind of what he could bring and his versatility. Uh, but size was not, not it. And as we saw in the South Carolina game last year, you know, he lowered his head one time and uh, was concussed, I guess, in the first, first drive of the game. Conley uh, is a guy who will eventually probably move to safety, uh, but he is a bigger body. And so uh, the question is, you know, with him being such a young guy, is he going to be taking the right angles? There's no question that if he gets there, he's going to lay a hit and he's going to be beneficial in that regard. Uh, but, you know, when you're having a count on a true freshman and, and a kid, again, going back to the, the lack of spring practice and kind of the abbreviated summer workouts, um, he hasn't had as many snaps as maybe you would like, but it's kind of a trial by fire deal, and we'll get to see what kind of playmaker he is. Yeah, Ross, Jeremiah Gimmel's a guy that's getting more and more comfortable in the role of a leader for this North Carolina defense. Uh, Speak to that. I mean, Chasseret gets all the ink at linebacker, but Gimmel, I think, we said it in the preseason, if my memory serves, that Gimmel might be the best linebacker on the team. 
Yeah, I have a feeling Greg has an article coming on on Gimel uh, this week. But um, the is that right, Greg? Yes. <laughs> I think what was interesting is that when Bateman talks to the opponent's offensive staff, if after they're playing them, after they played them, and and kind of after uh, if they're not going to play them again, they they say that Gimel's the guy that they really look to. He's super fast. He's super smart, and that um. Yeah, he stands out to – I mean, outside of Chad Surratt, he's, the, he's the, one of the major defenders that stands out to teams. Heard the same thing about Ray Vahasek. But um, if you talk to Gimmel, and I'm sure if you're a hardcore football fan, you've heard some interviews with him on YouTube from inside Carolina. Um, he's a sharp guy, and he is now the leader of this defense, I think, once, once kind of Wolf looks out. Um, and, and Bateman says that he does not have to motivate or, or, or call out players because Gimmel is calling out players. He is the guy who's getting on his teammates and holding them accountable. And that's huge. I mean, when you have your leaders holding the, your teammates accountable and making sure everybody's in the right spot and getting on them, if, if they're not working hard enough or putting enough time on film, and that's, that's the teams that are led by the, the, the players are, are usually your better team. So he's huge. And alongside a playmaker like Chaz, who's a little bit more reserved, it's a good one-two combo. Greg Ross kind of went where I was going with you, the leadership led, led by the players. I'll never forget talking to some players like when Marvin Austin and all those guys came in that they didn't have anybody really to check them or they didn't, they weren't allowed, they didn't allow themselves to be checked by upperclassmen at the time. Carolina's had a little bit of that. Mac Brown's building that, but now Gimmel's stepping in, not even as an upperclassman really to, to be that guy for this team. How important is that with Wolfrook's absence? Oh, it's critical because Miles is, was really kind of the heart and soul of the defense in terms of leadership skill sets. Um, that, that's very important. And so now uh, you got even more pressure going to, to Gimmel and Surratt there in the middle. Um, and we'll have to see, you know, this is such a, this has been such a unique year. Uh, you know, you had, you had a four day break in training camp because of you know COVID outbreak on campus. So you had that kind of halt. You had, you know, you go through game prep for Charlotte and then you learn after your polish day on Thursday that the game's not going to happen. That's an emotional letdown. down. They thought, I mean, Bubba was even talking about they're likely going to get a game scheduled for September 26th. Everybody's expecting that to happen. They had kind of scheduled their uh, weekend plans around the idea that there would be a game that didn't happen. So we really talking about ups and downs, and uh, that's that's really where the players have to kind of keep things in check. And one of the things that Mac Brown talked about uh, today that, that I found interesting is he said you know, he kind of had an idea when he was at Texas. I mean, of course, he wins the national championship there, and uh, if Colt McCoy you know doesn't get injured, maybe they win too. Uh, but he thought he kind of had an idea of what was happening when when teams would come out flat, uh, maybe make some mistakes, didn't look so good. Uh, but he said by, by being able to kind of watch from afar, you really got an idea that you know, the team comes out flat, guess what? That means they weren't prepared. They weren't ready to play. If they make a bunch of mistakes, if it's not because mistakes happen. It's because they weren't prepared. They weren't ready to play. And because of that, they've really kind of focused on, look, each and every day that you come out, you have to take it as this is my one day to get better. This is my, my one day to, to play at the highest level that I can. Uh, regardless of what happens tomorrow, regardless of you know, how uncertain some of these games are. And so far, they've, they've been pleased with what the players have done in that regard. Um, will that continue? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I think the team has done everything they can to this point. 
I still don't know exactly what to think about this North Carolina team. I still don't know what to think about Miami. We've seen them play three games. So it's a little too early to kind of anoint North Carolina as this, this legitimate top 10 team. Uh, but they did what they needed to do against Syracuse. Uh, they came out with a victory. And now we'll have to see what they can do against Boston College. Uh, Greg set up a great segue. We're going to do a quick ad read before that. Before After that, we're going to get into some ACC power rankings, adding Western Carolina to UNC's schedule, and ask Greg about uh, Boston College's QB, Phil Jerkovic. 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 But first, Tommy, when it gets a little cold over there in Johnson County, what do you like to slip on? What's, what, what's, what's kind of, what kind of things do you like to wear? Hoodies, long sleeve T-shirts, all that stuff. Oh Beanies yeah, my head, uh, toboggan on my head. <laughs> yeah, keep your bald head warm. You know, I love sweatshirts. I broke out the gray sweatshirt. I broke out the navy sweatshirt. They're both from Johnny T-shirt, GiantT-shirt.com, the Inside Carolina sponsorship of our podcast. Here, you can get ten percent off all your sweatshirts, all your hoodies, long shirt, long sleeve T-shirts, toboggans. Go to Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Use Inside Carolina's 10% off discount code for Inside Carolina subscribers and get all the stuff you need. It's great gifts. I mean, get your Christmas shopping out of the way. Make a big purchase and get 10% off. It's a great way to knock out gifts for nieces, nephews, cousins, brothers, sisters, parents, sons and daughters, everything you need. Tailgating, cups, mugs, stickers, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, everything you need Johnny T-shirt and GiantT-shirt.com. Local, right on Franklin Street. Their headquarters, I think, are, are down the road in Hillsborough, where their um, their big outlet is. And you can get everything online as well. It's a great website. Pick out what you need and use that ten percent off Inside Carolina promo code only for subscribers. All right, we're gonna pay some bills with the national reads. We're we'll right back. Talk about Greg Barnes's ACC power rankings. A little bit about um, what UNC's added to the schedule and a little bit about Boston College's QB, which I think is kind of one of the major storylines heading into UNC's matchup with the Eagles. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back. Tommy? Yep. Great segue. You mentioned it earlier about Greg Barnes talking about Miami and Carolina's uh, how they look, at least in the early season. Uh, Greg, I agree with you when you're talking about Carolina 100%. I don't necessarily agree with Miami, uh, the Miami take, simply because they look really good. Um, of course, Florida State is awful. but Yes, they are. You, you know, I guess that uh, you got to go Clemson way up. And then from what I saw from Miami and Notre Dame, I'd put them second, tied for second maybe, and Carolina third just because Carolina hadn't played. Is that fair? Yeah, and I think Virginia Tech's in that mix as well. Um, I think those are probably your top five. I do think Clemson's a, a step above the rest. I, I think everybody kind of realizes that. Uh, and to be honest, I think I'd put Pittsburgh in there as well. So maybe, yeah. there's, a, maybe there's a top six there that, that are like legitimate contenders at this point in time. Um, Louisville, uh, I think yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty good team. I know they've lost a couple games already, and uh, I don't know how severe Cunningham's injury was. I haven't followed up on that at the end of that game, uh, but hopefully that young man's um, not out for an extended period of time. I know I'm probably a day or two late on that that news item, uh, but really when you start looking at the other teams, I mean State uh, defense is is a dumpster fire. Uh, Georgia Tech still another year or so away. I think they're going to be good under Jeff Collins. Uh, Syracuse, not any good. Uh, Duke, defensively Duke's good. The uh, turnovers are kind of a joke. Wake's, Wake's kind of a mess. So, yeah, I mean, you got your top six there. I think we can rearrange them, however. Um, uh, but I think, you know, Carolina, uh, they, they benefit not having to play Clemson. They benefit not having to play Pittsburgh. But we'll get to see how they do against against Virginia Tech coming up very soon. And then, of course, the, the big games they're laid against Notre Dame and Miami. So, yeah, so Clemson, we got Clemson, Miami, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, UNC. I think that's Boston. Fair. The Notre Dame, Boston College also up there. Those are the six you mentioned, Greg. Not Boston yeah. College, but Miami, Pittsburgh, Clemson, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you all watch the state game? I yes. did. Yeah. What do y'all think about Virginia Tech? You think they're it's hard to kind of judge, but I was talking to Norm Wood, who's a beat writer over there. He said like they had 23 players out or whatever, but it was only a couple starters. Like it wasn't that big of a deal, I think, as the media made it out to be. So I don't really know how to interpret that. I mean, they they killed states. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, no, they had um, the quarterback was out, starting quarterback right. was one of those 23, and they still yeah. rolled state. I, cool. I just think state state's bad. And in, in Florida State's bad, and I don't see how you can judge how good Virginia Tech is on based on whipping state. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's fair. And I've got red on, so before Baden comments on my shirt, Baden, I'll tell you what it's about on the side. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech's good. I do like the quarterbacks there. I, I like the transfer from Oregon. I like the – what's his name, Quincy Patterson? I think Quincy Patterson's good. He's a guy that came in against Carolina last year. Yep. It was very impressive. And he did it again against State this year. 
And the kid that started, Burmeister, I believe is how you pronounce his name, you know, is an Oregon transfer. Mm-hmm. And Hooker actually beat him out this offseason. So they, they do have uh, really a trio of quarterbacks there that have played and, and looked pretty good. And their recruiting's been awful for the last two or three years, but they're still living off, I guess, earlier stuff. What do you think about Notre Dame, Greg? I think Notre Dame is, is a tough, tough team to contend with just because they've, they've got some legitimate guys along the offensive line. Uh, probably two high draft picks. Ian Book is a is a really good quarterback. Is he Trevor Lawrence? No. Uh, is he in the running for maybe second best in the league with how? Possibly. Um, and then I think defensively they're good enough. So that that's going to be a challenge. You know, when you I think that's one of the good things for North Carolina playing Boston College is Boston College has a lot of issues, but they do have a big uh, offensive line. That's one thing Steve Adazio always did when he was there. And so I think that'll, that'll kind of give us a good, good taste of how good North Carolina's uh, defensive line is and, uh, because there's going to be some other uh, – other big offensive lines are going to have to play, and, and Notre Dame is, is one that will be problematic as we get into November. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh is a team that everyone's been kind of high on. It's kind of a dark horse. I guess being high on and being a dark horse are kind of oxymorons, but – you know, they put 55 points on Austin P. They beat Syracuse handily, 21-10, and they beat Louisville. And everybody was really high on what Louisville could do. They beat um, Louisville 23-20. So I think Pittsburgh's a, a team that's going to be there with, with already two ACC wins on their schedule. Yep, it's going – you know, it's funny. Everybody said Carolina's lucky they missed Clemson and Louisville, but I think Clemson and Pittsburgh are going to be the ones – that Carolina chose appropriately or whoever chose that schedule. Let's talk about another schedule matter before we get out of here. On the Beat podcast, Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, Tommy Ashley. Uh, Matt Brown announced adding a game, Ross, um, a late-season game. Tell us about what's, what's that all about. Yeah, I mean, Greg wrote the article or finished, finished writing the article. It happened during the press conference here listening to Mac talk, and then he breaks the news. They added a game, so you're scrambling to put the article together during the press conference. But uh, December 11th, Friday, which is would be six days after the Miami game. Or wait, is that right? Six days after the Miami game or, or a whole week after the Miami game? Six games up, Six days after the Miami game. Because Notre Dame's on the Friday, Miami's on a Saturday, and the next game will be Western Carolina at home. Um, I don't think West Carolina has played any games and won't for a while. And so that is between the last game of the season, which originally was the last game of the season, and the ACC championship game, which is December 19th. And the one uh, caveat is that if they have to reschedule an ACC game, that would take priority over the Western Carolina game. So if, if some game gets canceled, which very likely, I think it's, there's a chance it's more likely the game will get rescheduled than not at this point, it would push Western Carolina out of the picture and they would play that Friday or Saturday. Greg? Tommy, I'm going to – I'm going to quiz you real quick and I'll give you 10 never, bucks. If never you goes well. 10 bucks right. if you get these three. Western Carolina, because of how their schedule is shaped up, they only have three games on their football schedule. The first game, as, as Ross alluded to, is not until November 14th. <laughs> I mean, this is like – So, know, they, bunch, they start on the 14th. Yeah, a bunch of, bunch of our buddies get together and say we're going to play college football for a couple of weeks, and this is kind of what we get. Um, who are the three opponents? You know one of them. I know Carolina. Okay. Is it ACC schools? No. They have three games total now? 
three games total. It's no. not Campbell no. because Campbell's already played. Well, Campbell will play their fourth one. I have no idea. Let's cut the chase. Liberty and Eastern Kentucky. So they're playing a season to get those three games in in late November. Yes, they're doing they're doing two sets of training camps. So they started the first one last week. So it'll be four weeks. Then they're taking like a two week break, and then they're coming back for another four week training camp before their opener against Liberty on November fourteenth. Meanwhile, you're in Cullowee, you're in Cullowee, North Carolina, you know, trying to be a student and a football player. Like, what a life. Probably, I mean, that's a that's a crazy school to go to. It's a, that's, that's an interesting schedule. But it, it, was I right when I said didn't Campbell only play four games or only had four games? I mean, just but bizarre. But this, is the, this is the disaster of 2020, right? Because the game is not going to matter if North Carolina – somehow gets into the ACC championship game, which we don't even know. It's not even confirmed yet. It's going to be December 19th. That's what all of us are thinking. But now you've gone from Notre Dame to Miami to this game. You're probably going to be, want to be prepping for that ACC tournament or championship game. If you get there, mm-hmm. trying to rest some guys. I mean, it is a glorified scrimmage. That, that's all that will be. Talking to uh, Sean Drone and Mike Ingersoll on one of the podcasts back in you know several months ago, they talked about Friday Night Lights, where they let all the guys that never got to play play against each other. It's going to be that. And it could be have third, a uniform, if you have a uniform, you're playing against Western Carolina. It could be third string and walk-ons. Why would you play Sam Howell? Why would you even put him out there against Western Carolina when that game doesn't matter if you are going to play in the AC Championship game? I mean, there's no reason to kind of play any any sort of starters. Um, yeah, bizarre world. We yeah, I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask Greg about Phil Jerkovich. He said he, he DM'd us to say he didn't know too much about him, but rather Bateman said he is a big, big quarterback, six five, two, you know, two twenty, two twenty five. I mean, how do you think that really challenges UNC? Like defensively, are they going to have to bring in bigger bodies on, on the defensive line as opposed to kind of more of their pass rush sets? I mean, what, what changes when you go against a quarterback? of that size, who's having a lot of success as a passer, has been one of the more prolific quarterbacks in the last couple of weeks. Well, I think the fact that he was a big-name recruit coming out of uh, – he's somewhere in, somewhere in Pennsylvania. He's a Notre Dame transfer, correct? Correct. And he was, yeah. he was the guy that was Ian Book's backup. And so we're talking about a kid that uh, he realized he wasn't going to beat out Book. You know, and, and Brian Kelly has really praised him for the level of talent that he was. So this is a, a big pickup because Boston College was not sure – that he was going to be clear in time to be able to play this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a, he's a young guy in terms of experience. Um, and I know people want to make a big deal about Texas State. They won the game. They, they came back from a 14-point hole, uh, did what they needed to do to get, get the victory. And so each week he's going to get better. But he is a big guy. He's got a big arm. Uh, he's mobile. I mean, he's not Marquise Williams by any stretch, but he can move around a little bit. Um, and that's, that's going to pose problems. I think it's really good for, for North Carolina. Um, of course, UNC is favored by, what, 13 points. So, mm-hmm. I think everybody's 13. expecting them to win. Um, but this is a good opportunity to go against a, a pretty legit quarterback, even though he's kind of a young guy. He'll be, be better as the season goes along. Uh, but that's a good challenge. And so, uh, with Boston College's uh, big offensive line, you know, how well, kind of going back, to what we said about Notre Dame, how well can UNC get pressure? And can they get pressure with just four guys? If they can, that really kind of sets the tone moving forward. 
if Boston College is able to, to give Jerkovic some time where he has opportunities to make throws down the field, then maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a blowout. Maybe it's a competitive game until late, and it's going to take North Carolina's offense scoring points to, to kind of pull away like they did against Syracuse. So a lot of opportunity there for North Carolina to, to find out about how good that defense actually is. Yeah, looking at his stats, 70% or 71% on the year, 150 rating. I mean, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Been sacked eight times. I guess the big deal for North Carolina in this game is get him on the ground when you get your hands on him. And we'll have to see Chasserat, Jeremiah Gimmel, and those defensive linemen trying to tackle the big fella. I'm going to break it off right here. On the Beat Podcast, Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Again, rate us, review us, subscribe, do all that stuff so you can get your Inside Carolina podcast in whatever medium you choose. Ross and Greg, I appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.